Guys, good to see everybody this morning. Uh, I think I've uh, met just about everybody so far this morning. We've got a couple of new faces here this morning. So if you are a visitor with us, just want to uh, fill out a, a Connect card with us. That'd be awesome. Would appreciate that very much. We want to get to know you. One of the visions and values we have is that we want to know you and know your name. My name is Casey. One of the guys serving alongside you here is Pastor. We want to thank you guys for coming in. Uh, we are in a series called, uh, by the way, I want to make sure everybody is awake. Is everybody ready for this today? We're good, for, we're good to go today. Because here's, here's the thing, like this is going to be, by me. No, that's Carter, that's Carter, bye Carter. Everybody say bye Carter. See ya. But here, here's the thing, like we want us to be, I want us to be caffeined up, jazzed up, ready to go. Here's why, Jesus rose from the flipping dead, Amen. Like, we ought to be absolutely excited and jazzed up about that. And he has given us a life and a life full of him. Now, how many people came, uh, like, like filled with food last week, Thanksgiving, that kind of thing? Like, this was, this was embarrassingly full a little bit. Like, I was pretty flipping full. Like, I, like I, I think, so, like, I have not eaten like that. I don't eat a whole lot of sugar. But, man, I had this, uh, this chocolate, like, pecan pie is my favorite. And I had this thing called Dixie Pie. They had chocolate and, pe- like, it was pecan pie with chocolate in it. Dude, I was dead meat. Like, sec- I was, like, I-, I think I slept for 14 hours. So, <laughs> and I got up the next morning. I said, oh, I said, oh God, if you, uh, if you get me through this day, I'll never eat pecan pie again. I swear, it was like one of those kind of a things. But it was, it was crazy to me. Like, like we, are, we are, like, in this series right now co- talking about life, money, hope. And we're realizing that we have an overabundance and an incredible abundance of riches and wealth, including food, including materials, including money, those kinds of things. And we've been learning about what that means as a, as a, a group of believers. Because here's what happens a lot of times, and I'll explain a little bit about that. Very few of us consider ourselves wealthy. But when we look at it in the perspective of history, when we look at it in the perspective of comparing ourselves to the rest of the world, we are wealthy beyond anything anybody, anybody could imagine. I'll explain a little bit of that here in a little, little bit. But what we've got to do, and what we started off about three weeks ago, about three Sundays ago, was what we've got to look at the Scriptures with the right mindset when it comes to financial matters. And you can start filling out your bulletins and, and that kind of thing. Did you guys have a fun time last week with the blessing baskets? Like, I, like yeah, it was awesome. We had about, we had uh, t- well, a total of 42 Thanksgiving dinners that we gave out as a church. Guys, that was a blessing to people. It was generous to people. And, though, and that's the mindset we've got to have when we talk about whole life generosity. But when it comes to finances specifically, walls start coming up when the preacher starts talking about it. So here's what I want us to do, man. I want us to do, like, do me a favor real quick. If you've got a wall that you're automatically starting to pop up, just simply because I start talking about finances, I want you to do something with, with me real quick. I want you to take that wall and I want you to squash it down for a second. Because this is bigger than a dollar. It's bigger than money. This is about obedience to Jesus Christ that we're going to talk about. I could be talking about absolutely anything, but when it comes to money, I could be talking about lust. I could be talking about greed. I could be talking about laziness. I could be talking about, and you be like, yeah, preacher man, preacher man, talk, preacher man, that's good. Amen, I like that. That's good stuff. But I start talking about money, and walls start popping up in front of people's eyes. They're like, oh, what's he talking about money for? What's he trying to do? I want you to bring that down for just a second, because we're going to talk overall about obedience. 
See, see, many, very few of us talk in the terms of that we are, we are rich. And guys, I want to give you guys a newsflash. You're rich and I'm rich. Like we are rich. For, and I'm talking, I'm talking about the spiritual stuff. I'm talking about this big overarching. Yes, I'm rich in the Lord. No, I'm talking about we are. But I'm talking about rich in financial and material matters. And the reason I say this is because rich people always say I'm not rich almost all the time. In other words, rich people live in denial. I'm not talking about the river in Egypt. I'm talking about we live in denial. We Very few of us will say that we're actually rich when in actuality we are. And this is what we've been learning over the last couple of, of weeks. We also uh, introduced a, a couple of weeks ago a, a term called the economic atheist. And economic atheism is when somebody trusts God with absolutely every other aspect of their lives. They'll trust God with their health. They'll trust God with their family. They'll trust God with their career. They'll trust God, well, where, where am I supposed to move today? They'll, they'll even ask God questions like, God, should I get out of the right car or the left side of the car today? I mean, they'll even some people will even do those kinds of things. But when it comes to the financial matters, we really, really struggle with, with, with trusting God in those things. And we don't have God in those, in those things. I've uh, joked that we one time, I think as an as a object lesson, we ought to baptize people with their wallet out of the water. Like just like everything but that, God. Because that's in essence what a lot of us will do. We'll not trust God when it comes to our finances. And here's the thing, the overall arching thing that I want us to remember is that we must be living a life of faith and trust when in God when it comes to financial matters. Most of us guys, and this is a lot of us, not everybody, but I would say most of us, if we're going to be honest, when it comes to financial matters, when it comes to having a little bit too much month at the end of the paycheck, we're going to have fears and anxieties. And, and, and we're, we're not living in this whole idea of having life, money, hope, but we have life, money, fear. And when we're afraid, we often the times will ask things like, how can I get more? Now, that's a scary thing because God has entrusted us with a whole lot, right? And so many times we say, well, God, how can I get more? Now, listen, being wealthy is not a bad thing, is it? Being wealthy is not a sin. Being wealthy, but the, but the, the pursuit and the desire to be wealthy when God has already made you rich can be very, very dangerous. Amen? Are you with me, New City? Like, we got, like, I, like I need your help on this one because these are one of those things that people will very rarely step into and fully understand because like, like, like it's like it's a scary, scary thing. And we're driven by fear when it comes to finances. How do I know this? Because how many of you look at your bank account and go, oh, crap. Right. All of a sudden, yeah, yeah, like, yeah me. Right. Like it, like you look at it, and go, man, dude, there's like, how am I going to do this? this is, like it invokes all kinds of fears that pop up when you look at a at a number do you realize that we are all going to be worm food in a matter of a hundred years hallelujah we get to see jesus right why are we so worried about this balance that we know we're not going to die right and we know that like it's amazing to me we'll look at our 401ks like how's this going to happen i'm afraid how is it like we'll look at our bank balance how do we spend all that money what what the heck now i'm not saying we shouldn't be diligent and prudent and budgeting and those kinds of things but when we look at those things and where our emotions are affected by those things, guys, we better be careful because we may very well be falling into financial fear. So rather than asking, how do I get more? 
What if we looked at it and said, God, why do I already have so much? Why do I have so much? Uh, see, if you make, you guys recall that, that we did a study a few weeks ago, and we said that if you make, it, like in, the, in Edgerton, Kansas, right here, everybody says this is a small town, it's not a real wealthy town yet. <laughs> it's coming, but it's not wealthy yet, right? We've got a lot of things that are happening. But right now, the median income per household in Edgerton is $54,000. If you make just $32,000, $32,500 per household, you are in the 1% of all the wealthiest people in all the world, meaning you make more money than 7,560,000,000 people in all the world. We are in the most of, one of the most affluent counties in the most affluent nation in the, most, in, in the history of the world. Guys, we are in every aspect, historically, comparatively speaking, we are wealthy. And I tell you that, not just to pound that into you, I tell, that, tell you that so that when you look in the scriptures, you don't look at the scriptures in denial when the warnings about the rich come up in the scripture and you go, well, that's not me. Right? Like we've got to be thinking in those terms of, it is me that, that the Lord is talking about. If we make $32,500, we are in the 1%. Hallelujah, you're going to have people protesting at your house, right? Like, no, it's not going to happen. But we are in that 1%. Let me give you a little bit more of a perspective when it comes to how much money we make. If we make, and by the way, $32,000, depending on the, the size of family in our country, is sometimes considered the poverty level. Did you know that? This is wild stuff. I see them things flip up here. What's going on? What's going on in the script? I'm getting distracted. We are just keep focusing. Okay, cool. I'm cool. Just keep preaching. All right, man. Just stay with me, everybody. I'm just, I see things out of the corner of my eye. You know, I'm going to call out. I was like, oh, what's going on over here? It would take, if you make $32,500 per year, it would take the average laborer in Ghana 203 years till you earn the same amount. If you're, if you're, by the way, do you, what do we call Coke here? Coca-Cola. Do you call it soda? You call it pop? Where I'm from, we call it Coca-Cola, because that's what, that's what I think that's the way God says it, but I don't know. We're, how, how do we say it here? Pop? Who says soda? Who says, ha ha, oh yeah, we get defensive about this, right? It's like, no, that's not how you say it, y'all. Well, no matter what you say, it takes you, if you make $32,500 a year, two minutes to earn that refreshing can of pop, or whatever it is, right? The average laborer in Ghana, if they are thirsty and want a can of soda or Coca-Cola, they'll have to work seven hours to get the same thing. Guys, we're rich. We're rich. This monthly income could pay this monthly salaries and $32,000, year every month, right? Or per month would make, would make the same salaries as 141 doctors in Kyrgyzstan, wherever that is. I have no idea. I'm not a geography Guys, some people will know that. But listen, guys, comparatively speaking, historically speaking, we've got to be approaching the Scriptures as I'm one of the rich people that God is talking about. We've got to be doing that. Amen? See, I want to propose to you today that this isn't something we feel guilty about. I would say we need to be thankful about this to God. not Because this isn't a chastising you bunch of rich people. No, it's not like that. It's like, let's, let's thank God for those kinds of things and say, God, what do you want us to do with that? I want to propose that we, based on the insight from the scriptures, which we'll go through here in a second, that the reason we have so much, 
And it's not so that we can just live lavish lifestyles, because comparatively most of us do. It is so that we can be generous to causes and to people that is in this world that are close to the heart of God. Like That's why we send money to the North American Mission Board. That's why we send money to the New Thing Network, so we can plant churches, so we can help other people, help, like help disaster relief, all those kinds of things. That's why we do things locally and reach our community here for His glory. That's what we use it for, amen? 1 Timothy 6, this is Paul writing to a young pastor named Timothy. Paul wrote most of the New Testament. He came to know the Lord as one of those religious people that Jesus really chastised a bunch. And he came to know the Lord, and, and man, he, he was one of the most powerful apostles and evangelists you could see. And he wrote to Timothy saying this. He said, teach and encourage these things, Start, starting in verse 2. If anyone teaches other doctrine and does not agree with the sound teaching of our Lord Jesus Christ and with the teaching that promotes godliness, he is conceited, understanding nothing but has a sick interest in disputes and arguments over words by me from these come envy quarreling slander evil suspicions and constant disagreement over people whose minds are depraved and deprived of the what jesus says i am the truth who imagine that godliness is a way to material gain see here's the deal guys like this whole godliness aspect i'm going to talk about tithing here in a little bit and we've been talking about the 90 day tithe challenge which you got in your bulletins and i'm encouraging people to step into that like some of you for the first time are going man i don't know about that well step into that thing because i don't want to tell you hey this is a great thing for you to to do so you'll get some financial uh like, like you'll get this big fat sexy check and stuff like it's not even about that right like some of you, it might get a little harder financially, but stepping into obedience, we do it because God said, right? I'm going to explain to you why I say that is a, the minimum, minimum uh, step of obedience in the scriptures here. And this is what he says, Godly, godliness is not a way to material gain. It might happen, but that's not why we do it. We do it because we want to be obedient and step into the peace of God, amen? Wow. Wow, it just makes total sense when we start saying, okay, this is about obedience, not about a, a, a percentage, or it's a matter of our hearts. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out. In other words, there's no U-Haul that's going to follow a hearse. But if, we take food and clo- but if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation. A trap and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Now listen to me in this. Money itself is not bad. The fact that we are materially wealthy is not a sin. I promise you that. But here's the thing. The pursuit of those things... If the love of money, as the scriptures say, is truly the root of all kinds of evil, guys, listen to me. You with me? Guys, look at me. Look at me. Focus here, right? If the love of money is the root of all kinds of, all kinds of evil, here's the deal. We got to talk about it and be upfront about it a whole lot, don't we? Amen? Y'all understand that? Like, if that is the case... We would be negligent at best and sinful at worst if we didn't address the issue of finances and money and the effect that it has on our psyche and our approach and our mindset 
to it. We've got to talk about it, and we've got to deal with it, and we've got to be honest with ourselves about it and let God open up our hearts and let and let step into what he wants for us. Those who want to, fall, want to be rich fall into temptation, which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. But you, man of God, run from these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. For the, fight the good fight for the faith. Take hold of eternal life that you were called to and have made a good confession about in the presence of many witnesses. In the presence of God who gives life to all and of Christ Jesus who gave good, a good confession. Before Pontius Pilate, I charge you to keep the command without fault or failure until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. God will bring us about in his own time. He is the blessed and only sovereign. We're going to, part, we're going to do the gospel here, y'all. The King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one who has, who has immortality dwelling in unapproachable light. No one has seen him or can see him. To him be the honor and eternal might. Everybody in the house said, instruct those who are, that's you and me, y'all. This is where we got to stop looking at those rich people and start looking at this is me and this is you. Instruct those who are rich in the present age not to be arrogant or to set their hope on the uncertainty of wealth, but on God who richly provides us with all things to enjoy. Instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good reserve for the age to come so that they may take hold of a life that is real as opposed to the life that is fake. Guys, guys, we're fooling ourselves a lot of times when we say, I'm going to get this, 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 I'm going to desire this. What about this? Can I get more? All this kind of stuff, guys. We're worm food in 100 years. Hallelujah. Right? Think about that. That's good news if we know him. We don't have to deal with this mess anymore. We're going to have riches and lavishes like we have never seen in our whole lives but we may have to wait for a while, right? There's a lot more uh, of eternity on this, on the other side of life than there is on, on this one. All it takes, man, let me tell you something. I'm going to be 50 years old in March. How did that happen? I just flipping graduated high school, right? Have you guys figured that out? How many, how many know that time flies? Like, I've got a daughter that's married. She's almost married two years now. I remember, like, it was just yesterday we were planning her wedding. Guys, this happens so very quickly. And yet we're pursuing, for many of us, we're pursuing some things that, that God's saying, don't pursue, man. There's going to be stuff. Save up for the future. Save up for eternity. Do things. Be generous. Be rich in good works. And he has entrusted us with great material wealth. Amen. Man, this is awesome. Thank you, God, for doing that, by the way. That's where we got to thank him. Like, it's, it's wonderful that he's entrusted us, but he does entrust these things to our care. See, Paul there, in his instruction to Timothy, takes the veil off of what is at the heart of our financial fears. See, if we will put our hope in wealth or money, or we will put our, wealth in, or our, our hope in God, but we can't do both. 
So one of the things I love about being a preacher and being a Christian and being a, a follower of Jesus is I can say a whole bunch of stuff that makes no sense to the world, and if they get mad at me, I'm like, hey, y'all talk to Jesus because he's the one that said this stuff, right? Like I, like, I love being just a messenger. I'm not the one that came up with this. This ain't my idea. And Jesus said in Luke 16, 13, said, No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. But most of us say, I don't love money. No, it's not me. That's not, what are you talking about? I don't love money. And none of us think we do, but if those bank account numbers come and they... They, they, and they shock us sometimes. And we go, oh, what just happened? Right? All of a sudden, our emotions get all fluctuated by a number that's going to go away when, when, when we do anyway. See, I get the, the, the president of Experian and, and TransUnion and all those credit agencies. Yeah, uh, we're not supposed to be lazy and sloppy and things like that. But if our credit scores are what determine our, our happiness, dude, seriously, we need to start looking to Jesus for that. We've got to start figuring that out. Let him deal with all that stuff. Man, it is a devastating thing, especially at this time right now where everybody is trying to vie for the money that God has entrusted to you, right? Got, We've got Black Friday. Man, how many people are still recovering from Black Friday? I'm still trying to pay off last year's Black Friday. Who said that, right? So I saw somebody told me that this morning. It's like, that's, that's just it, man. Like, like, we are right now, this time, and we, like, I want us to go into this Christmas holiday season with, an, uh, with a, a perspective that God wants us to have when it comes to financial matters. I don't care what Macy's says. I don't care what amazon says man i like i love the fact that we've got like great commerce and all this kind of stuff economy's doing well those are, that's awesome and fantastic but here's the deal god comes first period in our lives in our lives it does the biggest obstacle for most people of faith when it comes to being generous and giving back to god is not greed do not hear me say you're a bunch of greedy rich people right it's not that it's fear. It's fear stepping into that obedience, man. Like it's because that's what breaks those, makes those walls come up when we start talking about it. When we start talking about it scripturally, we start talking about those things, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, they're getting to a place that's going to hurt, right? Financial fears, guys, go down when faith in God goes up. Let me review 1 Timothy 6, a couple of verses here. 1 Timothy 6, starting in verse 7, says, For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But, everybody say but. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. Verse 10, For the love of money, not money itself, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, and by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many, plan with many pains. Ask ourselves, guys, why has God trusted me with so much? Why? 1 Timothy 6, 18, or another review, instruct them to do what is good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and willing to share. Paul also writes to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 6, says, Remember this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generous, generously. 
each person should go should do as he has decided where in his in his heart like this is this is not a call to say yeah well yeah i guess i'll just give whatever i can no let's look at what the scriptures have to say about these things and not reluctantly or out of necessity for god loves a a cheerful giver this is why i don't want us to do the wallet dance when the buckets go by like oh right, shoot yeah that's right no we want it to be cheerfully intentionally planned those kinds of things given to god like get like like let's get into those things see here are several things when we start talking about sowing seed god has given you seed to eat giving you seed to pay bills giving you seed to invest giving you seed to share giving you seed to to be generous with the farmers, and here's the perspective. A lot of times people will say things like if they are generous with the financial things, they're like, well, I'll never see them again. But if the farmer sows seed into a field, that doesn't make any sense for him to go, I guess I'll never see those seeds again. That's just a big old waste, right? That makes no sense. There's a crop that, that grows up, right? There's investments there. And whether we see it financially or materially on this side of, of, the, of, of eternity or the other side of eternity does not matter. God promises it. Amen? You read Malachi 3 about God's perspective on, on tithing and giving. and that. In fact, it's the only time he said to test me in this. That's why we're challenging people to step into a 90-day tithe challenge that you've got in your bulletins. And here's the deal. Like I said before, you will get absolutely every bit of your money back after that 90 days. If God has not, like if you have not seen God's hand on, on your life and moving, if you approach this with a, all right, I'll just start doing that. And I can, guys, I'm talking about with a genuine, cheerful heart. Like you say, okay, God, you said to test you. I want to see what happens. I'm going to step into this scary thing called a tithe. And I want to explain a little bit what a tithe is. And I, I firmly believe, and you can argue with me on this, and you can challenge me on this, but I firmly believe that the tithe, when it comes to one-tenth of someone's income or one-tenth of someone's possessions and material, I think that's like the beginning point of obedience in the scriptures here's why i say that jesus in matthew 23 uh starting in verse 23 said woe to you and he's talking to these religious guys that did the time they were tithing right he said you t- woe to you teachers of the law pharisees you hypocrites you give a tenth of your spices mint dill and cumin they give a tenth of everything right but you have neglected the more important matters of the law justice mercy and faithfulness you should have practiced the latter, meaning you should have done the tithe. And so this is Jesus approving and, and, and commending them on that without neglecting the former, the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. So there's the 10%. Then you've got in Luke 21, you can look these up on yourself, where Jesus is looking at the widow who gave 100% and told the guys that he was with, said, wow, look at that. And he was, happened to be teaching these guys in the temple about some very intense spiritual stuff. And he had them guys stop and say, There's, she, only, she only gave a couple little copper pennies, not worth anything. But he said, she trusts God with everything. Look at that. That's what I'm talking about. So somewhere between 10 and 100 is where we got to decide in our heart to give according to the scriptures. And I'm not trying to be funny about that or not trying to manipulate the scriptures or anything like that. But I don't want to limit people to the tithe. I want God to work in you and you give whatever God says. Amen? Does that work? Here's where I want to talk about the tithe. And and here's several questions that people have asked me. By the way, this last few weeks have been very encouraging to me. I've had people come to me saying, man, this really helped me like, like approach the scriptures and approach 
the, the finances in a way that I had never looked at them before. But there were several things that people asked me. said, you keep saying tithe. I don't understand what that means. And guys, here's where I have to apologize a lot of times. I didn't grow up in the church, and I sometimes forget that churchy words sometimes don't translate to a lot of folks. Like, I know what they mean. I forget this. There are some people that don't. So here's what a tithe means when I say stepping into a 90-day tithe challenge. Tithe literally means 10%. And when we talk about stepping into 10% of your income, we're talking about that's what it means. So it's easy to calculate. And I love that. I think God sometimes sets things up and simplifies things for us. So instead of saying things like a sales tax of 8.975% or whatever the heck that is, which we gladly pay, right, all the time, like, all, like no problem at all in everything that we purchase, but ultimately, it's not something you got to calculate. You know, if you make $100, you give 10 If you make $1,000, you give 100 It's like, oh, 10%. That's easy. Good starting point. Another question that I got this past couple weeks is like, hey, do I, do I tithe on the net or the gross? Ooh, here's where it goes, right? I can't tell you what to do. Here's what Paul said. Everyone should decide in his heart what to give. But I'll tell you what, 20 years ago when we first started tithing, I was the resistant one in my household. I'm like, are you crazy? you got to be kidding me. 10% of our income, that's ridiculous. Literally, I remember driving away from the church going, Judy, what the crap did we just do? She's not here, I can talk about her. What did we just do? Are we nuts? Right? And I, I even had this debate with her. I said, baby, look, that's, that's more than 10%. My check is this. Your check is this. She goes, yeah, but we're supposed to tithe on the gross. I'm like, why? Who said that? And she said, well, if you were to get, try to get a loan from a bank, what would you tell them? Your, tithe, your gross or your net? Crap. Right? You see how this works? God knows what's in our hearts. And I can't tell you. All the different things about what you got to do to step into it. Man, some people say, well, what if, what if, what if I want to do that, but my wife won't let me? Whew. Only thing I can say to that is talk to your spouse. Because I was the resistant one, right, in my household. Judy got convicted about it because of the, what the scriptures actually had to say. And it wasn't because a preacher said, you got to tithe, right? It's because God said, I get to tithe. And she's like, we get to do this. I'm like, we get to. This is crazy. Do you know what we could do with that money? And I wasn't thinking God things. I was thinking Casey things. I was thinking a limited zero sum of a bank account and, a, and an income that didn't make any sense to the world, but it made total sense to God. And when we stepped into it, guys, I can't describe the stories that I keep hearing from some of you that have stepped into this and said, man, when I started tithing, this is what happened and this is what happened. And it, I, like, there's only one, I got several of those stories that come out. There's only one that happens financially. They got a big fat check. Most of them are, I'm stepping into God. I'm at peace. I can sleep. That's crazy. What do you mean you couldn't sleep before? Not like I can now. How do you put a price tag on that, right? When you start stepping into and having a faith 
that for the first time you step into that, man, all of a sudden the Holy Spirit starts working in you. I've had people do this in all kinds of ways when they start forgiving people or when they stop, you know, uh, when they stop, stop, you know, doing some lustful things and they stop doing uh, different things and they start stepping into obedience to God. All of a sudden there's a peace in their walk. There's a, there's a pep in their step, a spiritual awakening that happens. Lauren got baptized in the in the second service, our 43rd baptism this year. Hallelujah, right? Man, for real. That's amazing. But she stepped into obedience. And I've had people that have come out of that water going, I felt his presence. See, finances is no different when we step into obedience that way. Amen? That's what we've got to be thinking like. Like, what does it mean not to, okay, I'll just give my 10%, I guess, and step into it. No, it's like, it's like oh, God, we're going to, Step into this for the first time. This is scary, but I trust you more than I trust that 10% that you're going to do a whole lot more with 90% than I could ever do with 100 anyway. Amen? And I know some of you guys are like, wait a second. This is new. This is weird. Some of you new visitors and new people, some of you folks that came in even a little bit later or whatnot, like this is hurtful and 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 painful for me to even think about stepping into and all i can say is i understand let's talk about it let's help make a plan and figure this out because in first timothy 6 i'm gonna leave you with this paul says to timothy i'm gonna review this instruct them to do what is good to be rich in good works to be generous willing to share Storing up for themselves a good reserve for the age to come. There is an incentive for this. So they may take hold of a life that is real. The real life, my brothers and sisters, is not one where we hold on to all these things that are ours. None of them are ours. It all belongs to God anyway. Now this is the God we serve, and I want to leave you finalized like like this is the last thought this is the kind of god we serve and this is an amazing thing how much did god give for you and me absolutely everything he gave his one and only son entire his, his life right father gives his son jesus gives it up amazing how much does god deserve everything now here's the kind of god that we serve is he saying yes yeah, start with a with a tithe. In other words, if we looked at it this way, I deserve everything. I don't need anything. That's what God, because he's God, right? But he deserves it all. But he's going to let us keep almost everything. That's crazy. If I was God, I'd be demanding it all. Y'all better be glad I ain't God, right? Amen? This is remarkable, guys. And a perspective that if we have it, a mindset that is right, that we approach the financial piece of our lives, and it's an important piece, but it's the one that can make us can make it make us or break us spiritually in a lot of ways. So I want to encourage us to be stepping into this faithfully, courageously, and seeing what it is. Now here's the deal: this is not something I'm sitting here saying, guys, y'all need to tithe because we need to pay our bills. We're paying our bills. I want you to hear me flat out. And I'm going to tell you right off, we are paying our bills. We do not need your money. Hear me say that, okay? 
This is for you. I want to see some stories out of this that you step into that tithing for the first time and the financial things for the first time and you go, ooh-wee. And then all of a sudden, stories after stories after stories, because they're coming now. And I want that story for you too. I don't want you to look at the end of your life and go, I never stepped into because I was afraid. Because there's no regrets when you step into it, right? You have no regrets if you're obedient. You have none. That's it. It's just that's, and that's what I want us to have is zero regrets. That we can look Jesus face to face and go, man. And him look at us and go, well done, my good and faithful servant. Rather than, man, what were you thinking? Holding on to what was already mine. What was up with that, right? It's never about that. Amen? This is helpful to you guys. This is painful for some of us. Yeah, it's okay. Let's step into some pain. Amen? Father, we love you. We thank you so much. Thank you for more than we can tell you. God, three awesome services today. We are amazed by what you've done. Bunch of baptisms, a whole bunch of people being discipled, Lord. They're stepping into obedience, not just being baptized and going into a Bible study and and thinking we're good. Lord, we are actually leaning into obedience in you. Some of us, Lord, it is so scary. But you are with us. You promised that. Over and over and over in your scriptures, you say, do not be afraid. Have courage, Lord, and it takes courage for the, to reject everything we've grown up knowing in the world and understanding in the world and what the world has to say about money and looking out for number one and making sure you pay yourself first and all those kinds of things that the world has to say, Lord. You say it is yours to begin with, and may we approach it that way. And as we enter this season where there's a whole bunch of things that are vying for our financial attention, May we never take our eyes off you, the provider of everything we have. It's in your son's precious and holy and amazing and providing name. Everybody in the house said, amen.